You are listening to The Gamer Podcast. I'm Eric from the Gamer.com editorial team. And this week, Jade King and George Foster join me to recap all of the reveals and trailers from last night's Game Awards. And then we dive into the Halo Infinite campaign. Let's go! Welcome to the show, a special late edition of the Gamer Podcast. We are recording the morning after the Game Awards, our annual celebration of video games and, more importantly, the people that make them. Or so they say. Yeah, allegedly. <laughs> Joined here by two exceptional gamers, Jay King and George Foster. I'm sorry, we don't have time uh, for either of you to speak <laughs> because we have a lot of games to get to. Um, we have a rule on this show. I'm going to credit George with this, and it's uh, always start with the good. I think I think we established this during maybe Halo or Halo. Guardians. Yeah, always start with the good. So we're going to start with the good. Can you both tell me just one game or moment that uh, inspired you from last night? Uh, Sonic Frontiers looks kind of cool in concept, I guess. But we'll Sonic Frontiers looks kind of cool in concept. <laughs> Riveting. Good graphics. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Jade, what's yours? Oh, I, I'm trying to find the name. Uh-huh. It was it was that game with the spiders, like who are running along the desert. I can't yeah. Oh the yeah. Name. I'm scrolling through Twitter as we speak to find it. I can't even think it, what it's called. Planet of Lana. Planet, Planet of, Lana. of Lana and Off Earth Odyssey. That was the that was the game where. We were in a Discord call during the show, and yeah. I was just entranced by this trailer. Like, it looked wonderful. And that was the one thing in the entire show where I'm like, that game looks like it could be quite special if they pull it off. Mm. Um, we saw over 50 trailers last night across three and a half hours. Too long. Uh, there were some pretty big reveals in there. There was uh, Monolith's Wonder Woman. It's the studio behind the Middle Earth uh, Shadow of series. Uh, we didn't see anything other than pretty much a title and a, a model for Diana, but uh, that was a big surprise. Uh, Alan Wake 2 starring essentially Jake Gyllenhaal, but not officially. <laughs> I've confirmed this. That's not actually Jake Gyllenhaal. That's how he looked in the Control DLC, I think. It was like a bootleg Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, they couldn't get them <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, boy, there was so much more. Uh, a new Star Wars game called Star Wars Eclipse from everyone's favorite studio, Quantic Dreams. Uh, we saw Suicide Squad gameplay. Ah, that was cool, actually. That does look really, really good. I'm excited. Yes, and it was very much, very infamous to me. It was very sunset. Yeah, I I thought, yeah, that's a good point, actually. Like, the traversal looked very infamous like like jumping up buildings. Like, yeah, I think the colors make it very sunset overdrive as well. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Telltale is back, at least in name, and they're making uh, the Expanse the game. Meh. That was quite a surprise. Um, we saw our first trailer for the Halo TV show. We did. Oh God, yeah. Thirty coming to Paramount <laughs> Plus. Um, wow, so much to get into. Uh, but. Did anyone have fun watching this? 
I did for the first half. I think okay. they had a good cadence of announcements and awards up until about the 90 minute mark. Mm. And then the show was just stuffed with ads and trailers I didn't really care for. And the awards became an afterthought so quickly. Because yes. I remember a lot of us in Slack, like before the awards kicked off, we were assuming it was going to be a 90 minute to two hour show. But then Jeff Keighley tweeted out, it's over three hours long. And I was just like, I'm going to kill myself. Like, <laughs> so I will take this just, I think I had fun because I was talking with like colleagues and friends while the show was going on. But yeah. in terms of quality, it was just so corporate and so oddly paced that it was hard to enjoy. You just wanted it to be over for the last hour. I think it was not worth staying up for. Uh, I know that on the UK side, the show started quite late, started after midnight. And uh, did I indeed. Can, <laughs> I can certainly imagine that watching video game trailers until 4 a.m. Uh, turned into a torturous experience at this point. I am in the same time zone as the Game Awards. So for me, the pre show started at 4 30 and the whole thing ended uh, a little after 8. Oh my God, that's so nice. Uh, yeah, but what I can say is that there is no way to watch four hours of trailers and enjoy it. It's no. just not possible. It doesn't matter how well rested you are or what time it is. Nobody should be watching four hours of game trailers. It all blends together. Nothing can stand yeah. out. It's like, like, sorry, carry on. It, it, it's like eating a pound of chocolate. Like, it doesn't matter how much you love chocolate. Like, if somebody's forcing you to just keep eating chocolate, you're going to have a bad time. And that's sort of what the Game Awards is like. And I don't know if it was always like this. It's never I think been it's this worse before. than it's ever I been. Mm. That was one of the weakest yeah. ones. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it really... Uh, we're not complaining about the quality of the reveals or what... Like, it's really... It hasn't... It doesn't matter how good the games are. They could have shown like all a new Mario, a new Zelda, a new Mass Effect. Like they could have just blasted it, and it still would have. I would have felt the same way. No, it's I, just, I, like, I disagree. It's that too much. I think my problem was that the strength of the reveals didn't like. There, there's barely anything there that made me go like, "Oh wow!" Like I, I'm, I would say, out of the three of us, I'm probably the most like shit muntry. Of us all, yeah. They didn't show God of War. What kind of fucking yeah. garbage is this? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, that's a lot. That's kind of personal taste, though. Mm. You know, like, yeah, I guess so. They did show a Halo tr TV show trailer. They showed a live action trailer for Destiny uh, Witch Queen. Like, they showed a bunch of stuff that I care about. There's about there was about four reveals in this show that if they were put into a one hour or ninety minute Sony or Microsoft press briefing. They would have blown the doors down. Yeah. But yeah. I think because the way in which the Game Awards does these reveals and the context in which they're shown, which is just a shotgun blast of ads, awards, and bullshit, that you, there's no time to savor reveals when they happen. It's just, here's a huge trailer for this huge project. Like, here's Alan Wake 2. Cool. Here's, a, here's an award. Cool. Here's another reveal. Here's an ad. Here's an award. Like, it's just one thing after yeah. another. And yeah. there's no time to savor stuff. And that's what makes Nintendo Directs and 
press conferences special when they do it right is because they know that these announcements mean something, and I'm not sure the Game Awards do. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird thing to think about, like those those E3 roundtables, right, where they just have like, you know, Greg Miller or a bunch of all the like, gamers just losing random their mind. gamers. Yeah, and and it feels like you kind of need that, like you need a half hour shotgun blast of reveals mm. and then you need a bunch of people to go like wow because sony did that what they the... showed final <laughs> fantasy 7 and i think it was the last guardian and then they went okay let's do some indie stuff for 20 minutes so you can all calm down yeah and after that do more big stuff but That's jeff amazing, keely doesn't yeah. get that he's just a he's just jeff keely yeah and then the other side of that is like no time at all for the awards mm. no no time at all for the like and and this year was the worst for it. They it was like, here's three awards. We're not gonna read the nominees. We're gonna say who the winner is and just read the next one. Say who the winner is. I think the whole night, maybe five people like got on stage yeah. to accept their awards. Yeah, and the rest of it was just like, and the award for best action adventure goes to, and the award for best, and just like blast through them. There was a moment uh, towards the end where yeah. Keely did five in a row. I think five. And it was just, oh my god, yeah. 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 I mean, he starts the show with, like, this is our night to celebrate, you know, the people that make the games. The, like, And, and it, it just does not feel like that. It doesn't feel like that is true. It feels like that is incidental. And it, to a certain extent, I get it. I, the, the Game Awards is held up by the marketing because it's not on a network television channel it doesn't have this massive infrastructure i i do believe that if they didn't do it this way it couldn't exist yeah that's the sad thing i think it's driven by capitalism in a way where keely's probably like i can only use this venue and put on a show of this size and extravagance if i'm willing to take the big checks from certain people mm. yeah so like he has to take all of that, those ad spots, all like we have to have all those reveals. And I know that part of it is driven by the need to grow the viewership. Mm. And if you grow the v- viewership, then you have more freedom, but it feels trapped. It feels trapped in this, like that just a big commercial. And it, like, I love commercials. Like we, we love video game trailers. We but love IP. We love <laughs> we new love IP. IP. Uh, but it, if it it is not the uh, the night to celebrate the game creators like it ought to be, and we don't actually have that, like that doesn't actually exist. No. Uh, and it's tough. It's tough because I because I want that, and I think that's really important. I want to see all of uh, the creators take the stage, and and uh, you know I want to recognize all of the people that made this year so cool. And I just, we, I just, we, we're never going to get that, are we? I think the irony is Jeff Keighley pitches the Game Awards as being this almost mecca-like event where people come to celebrate games and we look forward to the stuff to, to come. But the only way he can facilitate that kind of event is by falling victim to all of the stuff that makes the game industry so awful. Yeah. Like, right. It's the cycle where it's like, it is a yeah. It sucks. It is definitely a microcosm of all the good and bad parts of the industry in one night, uh, and a part of that is 
the the way that he started the show by vaguely acknowledging uh, the Activision Blizzard workplace abuse by sort of quickly pivoting it into a conversation about uh, uh, anti-harassment online. And he couldn't name them because he'd be putting himself in hot water. Yeah, it was it was like a passionate intro about how we all have to work together to make the gaming space safe for everyone. And he starts by saying about employees and they're being treated better by their employers. And you think he's going to go into it, but it, it like immediately becomes this speech about online harassment, Mm -hmm. which is like, what are you talking? What does this have to do with anything? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, so all that said, you know, now here's Quantic Dream, here's <laughs> Telltale, He'll, here's Neil Druckmann. Here's like, the way he immediately pivoted from, we need to do something about this industry. Now here's the villain from Far Cry 6. Yeah, that said yeah, yeah that was it. Now I'm going to be part of it. Yeah, now it's I'm, like, yeah. It was such an just, applause trap. It was so like... Ah, come on! Everyone celebrate! Come on! I'm saying it. I'm being brave, but like you're not saying anything. After the show as well, so part of me believes that he was responding to pressure that mounted in the week before the awards, where it was clear that he wasn't going to take a stand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, It's disappointing. (laughs) We're big baby gamers, and we want things our way. Hey. Uh, let me lighten the mood. I want to hear both of you say the word slitterhead. Slitterhead. Yeah. Nice. Slitterhead. <laughs> what a name. I know. That looks good. It's to hard me. to say. It feels rude. Uh, can somebody tell me the, the name, the, the name, the Silent Hill creator? Oh, God. Yeah. Creative director of Slitterhead. I wrote the news piece for this yesterday and I've already like completely forgot. This is a problem when you do things past 1am. Keiichiro Toyama. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Silent Hill creators' new body horror freak show, Slitterhead. That was a highlight for me. Same. It looks what a wild. it looks like. Let it yeah. Die. It's just people turning into praying mantis monsters. Slitterheads. Yep. This is a man who never makes the same game twice. Like he <laughs> made the first Silent Hill. He left Konami. Then he made Siren, which was like a cool PS2 game. Then he went and made Gravity Rush 1 and 2, which are like fantastic games. Oh shit, I didn't know he made Gravity Rush. Now he's gone back to yeah. horror. So it's like, oh. okay dude, like whatever you're doing, I am on board. <laughs> and yeah. uh, uh, Akira Yamaoka, who done the original four Silent Hill soundtracks, is back for this. And oh yeah, the, the combination of those two creators is so exciting. I, I definitely don't want to make out like I'm you know, better at all these games and the reveals. Like, obviously, I'm I'm very excited for these games and the people that made them, and they deserve you know the spotlight for all the these big reveals too. Mm. I'm bitter about the format of the show and what and what it sort of represents, but like, I think we can still talk about you know these games and like have excitement for them. I think we should. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one thing that really stood out to me was nightingale oh yes this is from that new studio that's made up of all the um the senior bioware 
people. Aaron Flynn, oh, right, is one. leading yeah. the charge on this. Yeah. So after Anthem fell apart and there was that mass exodus from Bioware, that like still sort of just continues to this day. <laughs> Unlucky. Um, a lot of those seniors got together, formed a new studio, and revealed their new game last night. And it's a fantasy survival crafting open world kind of thing called Nightingale. Uh, that looks really cool. It's got it does. That was one of big, my highlights of the show. Big wild monsters and like lots of horde combat kind of stuff. It's got portals. It takes place in a fey realm. You know, Jade, fey's, fey realm. <laughs> you gotta love fairies. Oh, Everybody loves fairies. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say fey, fairy. Okay, no, but. <laughs> That was one of the trailers that grabbed me immediately. Like, yeah, it's got a visual, a distinctive like visual style that like no game really has. Like the way it combines stuff. Hmm. Speaking of trailers that grabbed us immediately, uh, Suicide Squad looks so good. Yeah, I'm so happy. About let's that. let's get into that again. I think it's so cool to see how they they all have such interesting traversal. Mm. Mm-hmm. There's this part you kind of get it like. Uh, like Harley swings around like Spider-Man. Yeah. Deadshot's got a, a jetpack and he can fly and King Shark can run straight up walls and he can jump really far like the Hulk. But what really blew me away is they show Boomerang doing this like air combo at the yeah. end to get up on this bridge. And he's just like throwing the boomerang, zipping to it, and then launching off of that. And he does this like four jump combo to get across the world and i was like whoa yeah. that looks like a ton of fun boomerang is uh looking like the best one i mean if you get uh, deathstroke you're like uh deadshot even yeah it's deadshot isn't it deadshot yeah, yeah. if you get deadshot yeah. i think you're being like you're being dicked a bit there jetpack's boring. <laughs> sniper though yeah and uh and it's everybody's got guns so it's uh, gonna be a lot different from Arkham games for sure because there was just like mass hordes of yeah that's monsters. true. It also just looks like really funny. Like every trailer that I've seen of it has made me laugh quite a bit. Um, and yeah. the Arkham games are fantastic, but one thing, well, they're they're funny as well, but like not outwardly. So I kind of like to see this take where Rocksteady just being like, yeah, we'll go, we'll go full jokes. Like we'll have the Flash just being a dick. We'll have Captain. It's a different Ring. part of their universe, which is kind of fun to explore because we've only ever seen them do Batman, really. Mm. But now they're just like, okay, Batman's out of the picture for now, at least. I can't wait and to see how they do Superman. It feels more injustice to me than yeah, like, traditional art. Sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I had to double check this because I keep forgetting. But this that's a full co op four player game. Yeah, yeah. Um, which we'll see how that goes. Yeah, like, how's it's that not live work? service, is it? I know I don't think so and I know that it doesn't it's not doing gear either right because Gotham Knights is doing gear Mm, yeah Uh, it's going more RPG whereas this is still going to be like this seems to have a consistent story like yeah my feeling is each hero because in the trailer last night it seemed that there's almost like a comparison between Boomerang and Flash so maybe there'll be separate arcs throughout the game where each hero or villain has to use their powers to kill a major villain uh, or hero. You. I don't yeah. know because no, they you mean within like certain parts of the city. So that would be quite fascinating. Maybe one hero, if you're playing single player, maybe one hero has an area in the game which is 
almost mm. like accommodates their abilities more so than the others. I mean, Boomerang at one point of the trailer, like he can run as fast as a flash. Like he, literally yeah, does like I a saw that. Run. So and... that makes that makes me think that maybe that's the case. Like he'll he'll be the one to take the flash down and yeah. so on. I don't know much about Boomerang in the comics. I know he's a Flash villain, but I didn't know he could. Is that like a normal power of his? I see he runs. No. Oh. No, not not like flash speed. No, um, but it kind of makes me wonder if, like, as we're taking out the Justice League, if we're if each of the Suicide Squad is taking their powers, oh, that'd be like so good. If Harley can like do Green Lantern constructs later on or something, how cool would that be? I mean, they're not going to kill any of them. I don't think they have the, the guts. Oh, what kill. if they did? I don't, I don't, I don't they, they might. What if they, they fucking could. just murked the Flash? Look, like, it, yeah, everyone dies in Injustice, right? True. Like, why can't this be... This can be a story where superheroes get killed. Uh, I, I, I just... I feel like, for me, I don't really want any of them to die because I kind of want to see what Rocksteady could do with these characters. Like, if they turn around after and say, we're making a Flash game, I'd pee myself, so... Please don't kill off the Flash. I mean, I guess there's Shit. lots of Flashes and there's lots of Green Lanterns. There's lots of Superman. Like, I guess ignore me completely. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, lots of stuff here. Uh, Space Marines too. That's yeah, cool. I'm intrigued by that. That got me by surprise. Yeah, I think a lot of people are just gonna not pay attention because there's a new Warhammer game literally every week. Yeah, like I'm making um, one at the moment. Uh, but this is this is kind of a big deal because it's. It's been 10 years since Space Marine came out and it's a cult classic game. Like people yeah. still love Space Marines. Uh, but the interesting thing is the the first Space Marine was Relic and this one is not. Saber, right? This one is Saber. Tim Willits is behind it. Yeah. Uh, and still Saber is, is Relic still around? Yeah, they're doing Homeworld 3. Oh. Oh, I figured it was just the, one of those. Um... Yeah, so Saber is not exactly known for their games because they they do mostly ports. Like yeah. if you've played like I don't know, the the console port of Witcher 3, that's them, you know? Like um they do have some that you would World know. War Z. War War Z, yeah. yeah. Line? Is that them? No, that was Is that Saber? Oh yeah. Um they have the Evil Dead game that comes out at the beginning of next year, oh, and they're yes. doing they're doing that a Quiet Place game that got well, announced. They're busy, aren't they? Goodness. Yeah, Jesus, too busy. Yeah, but mostly it's like they helped with the Master Chief collection. They did ports for, I know, lots of stuff, lots and lots of stuff. Um, so yeah, so who knows what the story is there? I would have to imagine that Relic didn't want Space Marines. Maybe they were offered it, and they were like, oh, do you want to work on this project? And they were busy, and they've tried to find someone else, maybe? Maybe, yeah. But um, that's pretty exciting, because Space Marines is a cool game. It's a good game, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not versed in Warhammer, but this was a game that I played back in secondary school, just because I think I picked it up for cheap, and it's it's not... Excuse me, it doesn't reinvent the wheel or anything, but it's a really cool third-person shooter in that universe. Like, it's a really solid power fantasy and this seems to just be an expansion of whatever that is um another one that excited me was steel rising i think this was our first reveal for steel rising this is uh from spiders oh yes oh uh, the doll one. Sp 
Spiders is sort of a critic favorite studio that's not super well known uh, because they make double A, lots of double A games. Uh, but yeah, uh, last year, nah, maybe it was older than that. Greedfall. Greedfall might have been 2019, but uh, Greedfall was a very cool Dragon's Dogma-esque uh, action RPG. Uh, Spider says a lot of uh, historical fantasy, I think you would call it. Mm. Steel, Steel Rising is going to be the French Revolution, but with robots. That's that's a cool concept. Like in Yeah. Um, so that was pretty eye-catching. Um, let's talk about some of the new trailers we got for, for stuff. So we got a, a new horizon. Oh yeah, we did. I forgot about that. People are losing their minds about that. And I'm just like, I hope I like this one. <laughs> We've gotten so sick. many trailers. It, it's hard to watch a horizon trailer at this point and be like, and was that new? Like was anything? Yeah. But that's what I was thinking. Everything we saw, all, all of the robots that we saw in it were massive mm. like we saw uh, a snake coiled around a mountain you know there was like a turtle thing oh, that, that was poor turtle. i felt bad for him enormous yeah um it was really cool to see the just like the scope of everything you know um and then we saw like the new we saw the under some underwater stuff we saw the like glider the breath of the wild kind of like parachute um yeah i just but uh oh and we saw a little bit of the the new melee combat too yeah um, that's a relief because that was one of the weakest parts of the first game was the human combat it oh, felt yeah. kind of rubbish but it seems like they're building on all the things that matter in this one yeah yeah um we also got our first gameplay trailer for Hellblade 2, which nobody could believe was gameplay. <laughs> so it looked just incredible. Even though they kept Fans telling me, it's gameplay, like... it's gameplay. Yeah, when we were watching it, I was wondering if it was our first Unreal 5 game, and then we got the Matrix. Uh, Fortnite's the Matrix in Awakens. Unreal 5 now as well. Yeah. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was unbelievably realistic. Just the the there is no longer a separation between gameplay and cinematics. You know, no. it's like one to one with Hellblade, and Hellblade has always been a showcase for you know futuristic graphics for sure. Mm. Um, but yeah, that looked incredible. And then at the end of the show, they announced the Matrix Awakens, which is a Unreal Five tech demo. Uh, came out i played it and jay played it right yeah i did i did indeed how wild well. is that thing it is it's cool very pretty and like some of the stuff it does with scale and technology is like whoa yeah if you haven't played it yet it's free on ps5 and xbox series x i don't know if it's on s too. it is okay um it's uh, essentially it's like uh, a really long scene with uh neo and trinity and it's all animated but it looks like real life mm. the whole time i'm watching it, i'm like are those real people or is this there's, video game there's a few big double takes where i was, I was like okay are they real like is this yeah. rendered but yeah yeah it's it's uncanny valley in a lot of ways and then 
that turns into like a highway shootout, which is not really a game, but it's still like uh, amazing to look at. And then you just get to explore uh, a big city and they tell you about all the advancements in Unreal Engine 5. And it's, uh, it's pretty unbelievable. It's like, I know it's going to be a long time before games actually look like that. But now, you know, you get to see for yourself that games can look like that. Mm. I mean, like, it's wild. When, when I think of that, I do think of some games like instantly Uncharted 4 and The Last of Us Part 2 jumped to my head. They don't look like that good, but they're, you know, they're not that far off, you know? And mm. I don't, I, 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 yeah, I, I, I mean, those, those games look incredible for sure, but they, they are stylized. Yeah. Mm. And to me, this was reality. Yeah. I don't even. Um, yeah, so that's cool. Check that out. Um, more? Yeah, of course there's more. <laughs> the Game Awards. There is what, what did you, we've brought it up a couple of times, but what did you think the Halo, the Halo show? Uh, I think it nails the look and like the atmosphere from that very brief trailer, but it's very much going to be a case of how Chief and like other main characters are depicted in that show, because that will be what carries it or what like dooms it to failure because yeah. it, could, yeah. it could be total garbage and part of and it anything it can be, look like but... anything right yeah i mean there was i don't even think there was like dialogue like we didn't see any scenes we just saw looks yeah yeah uh and the looks were very cool um i don't know i'm not the i'm not the hugest like halo lore guy so because it's because I don't like vibe that well with like military propaganda, to be honest. <laughs> Hoorah! <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, like Marines aren't cool. So space Marines also aren't cool. Uh, of course, unless we're talking about Warhammer. Cause they worship demons and shit. That's like a very different thing. <laughs> They're like extra fascists. though, aren't they? Warhammer. Right. Yeah. They love that shit. Extreme fascism. Yeah. Uh yeah I yeah we'll we'll see Spielberg you know we he know still what to expect. yeah I'm pretty sure is he just like reading emails about this show he's like yeah, yeah maybe he's just taking <laughs> a phone counts. call uh I mentioned earlier the Destiny live action was it super choppy was that just on my end no it was I think I can't tell if it was the playback or it was deliberate but it did feel choppy for me. I, yeah, it seemed like the gameplay was like chugging for some reason. Um, but I'll just briefly mention that was very exciting footage because uh, it showed us a lot of things that they had described about Witch Queen. But that was the first time we got to see what it's going to be. So stuff like uh, the Hive Guardians, like they, they actually have, uh, you know, the alien enemies now have our light powers, which was uh, pretty cool. And then they showed off the Glaive, which is the destiny's first craftable weapon you're gonna like build this glaive piece by piece and they showed what that's gonna look like in combat and then they showed uh like fighting the witch queen and uh at the end of it keely said all of that was from like the intro mission to the expansion mm. so that was uh very cool stuff and there was a live action component to it um which had some cool details for fans it looks like uh we're gonna be going back to mars which we have not seen since destiny one Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that was very cool. Um, 
we also got George. We got the a new Dying Light oh, CG yeah. trailer. That was oh, really the fun. one with the lesbians. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah you was... want to describe that one? Uh, it was to me. It was just very much a riff on sort of like the Dead Island trailer. You know what I mean? Where it's like, here's a thing that's happening, and then ah, uh, you think it's this thing, but then like here's something more in depth, and in the end, it's just very, very sad. Um, <laughs> I I don't life. think it has. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just a representation <laughs> of life. Um, I don't think it has any like plot significance. I don't. That's not Aiden, is it? The main character. No, uh, I think it was very much just like survivors in this world, like yeah, yeah. getting munched on. I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm at the point now where Dying Light Two is so close, where it's like a cinematic trailer, unless it had some story bearing, doesn't really do anything for me. So for this bit, I was like, yeah, yeah, not to be cynical, but <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Sonic Frontiers. Yay! Speaking, I, I I'm gonna be cynical. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It's it's fucking Sonic. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. O- open world Sonic, great idea. Mm-hmm. Couldn't have happened any later (laughs) catch up you fucking blue idiot okay but i'm i'm looking around this open world and i'm looking at the sea line and i'm looking at bluffs and i'm looking at a lot of beautiful environments but sonic doesn't belong in any of them dude where's the loop-de-loops where's the jump pads like why is this just a naturalistic landscape Mm. For Sonic the fucking Hedgehog. Like, where's the bad Nicks, dude? What are we doing here? The cynical like, part of me makes me think it's just going to be, like, shit Breath of the Wild. But with <laughs> dude, how incredible would it have been if it was straight up Green Hill Zone? Mm. With oh, all the loops and blocks and, Not and just waterfalls you can run behind. Like, yeah, why did it look like fucking New Zealand, George? Explain <laughs> this to me. You did this, dude. Why Why is it like that? <laughs> Sonic team, like... No, this is a Sonic cycle. Like, it happened with Sonic Forces. They released a trailer. We were like, "Oh wow, Sonic's back, baby! Like, this is gonna be the one." Uh-huh. And it comes out and it's dog shit. Like, what? Are we gonna get that again? Look, right? No. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stand up Sonic here. I'm gonna do uh-huh. what what okay. needs to be done. Uh, <laughs> I I think this looks. My problem is, we didn't actually see gameplay. That's the only thing I'm saying. No, it's a CG I feel trailer. like I feel like it's weird that they showed like a shot of Sonic stood next to some lovely environments and then didn't show like his movement which is the important part that's the only thing i'm iffy on but that it's intriguing it's really intriguing the idea of it is super cool um and it seems to be going for a different tone like i rewatched the trailer earlier today and there's like a bit where like a creepy voice is telling sonic's like it's too much or something like that i'm like i'm into it it looks cool you, guys you didn't address that. any of my points. The thing is, what, 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 what 90s band is going to do the song this time? We had Hoover Stank. Yeah. We're going to get Limp Bizkit to rap on Sonic. Like, what are we going to get? I, I think as well, if you look at the towers, like they're kind of they're kind of weird. I think there will be weird Sonic stuff. I don't think it's just going to be like a Unreal Engine 4 environment that Sonic runs around. I hope. It, it could be like good. That. That's what uh, it looked like to me. It's coming out next Christmas, and they seem to be taking their time with this one uh, but i've been burnt like dozens of times before, yeah so it, we'll see. okay worst case scenario this sonic game sucks who cares like this happens every time right just be along for the ride just have fun with it that's how you should treat sonic let's just lower 
our standards for saying <laughs> exactly you see that loop de loop you can go there okay speaking of being let down Oof. let's talk about star wars eclipse uh, oh yeah because here's the thing that was the best trailer of the night it was so sick as far as cinematic cool. trailers go it was incredible mm. it when it started and we went through that like very Star Warsy marketplace. I felt inspired, mm. and I was like, I was looking at it like, damn, what if Star Wars was good? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. What if Star Wars? And we was saw order? we saw ships. Uh, we saw it, it had such a dark tone and atmosphere. There were some some Dune like goo guys mm. doing oh, stuff yeah, the with goo black guys. sludge. Uh, and then here it is, the Quantic Dreams Star Wars game, and I don't want that. No, I'm being stabbed at Christmas. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh my god, this is incredible! Oh, it's a David Cage game, it's but a it, David apparently Cage it's game. an action. Apparently, it's just an action adventure. Like it's not pitched like all his other bullshit. So yeah. it makes me think like, what kind of game is this going to be? But so if Quantic he's Dreams... writing it, I don't know. Exactly. That's the problem. They they tweeted the trailer. They said it is an early concept phase. Yeah, this so, game is several years away. Yeah, so we, they got nothing so far. Uh, they spent a lot of time on a trailer so far. Yeah. Um, High Republic. Cool. I, I am intrigued that it's High Republic. High Republic is a very new corner of Star Wars universe. They they've put a ton behind it uh, in the last year with books and comics. And now games and eventually movies for sure. Mm. Um, okay, does somebody want to rep Persona 4 Arena Ultimax? Mm. Yeah, go on then. I played that. Uh-huh. It seems it's a port of the Persona 4 PS3 game and Xbox 360 game, but they've just they're just porting it to new consoles. Like it, it very much felt like an out of the blue announcement to make. Oh, I thought it was a continuation. No, it's just no. I port. think it's a port. Yeah, well, how come in the trailer game. he was like, Don't, "Did you ever wonder what happened after Persona Four? Because yeah, because this it, this game yeah. takes place after Persona Four. Yeah, right. It just so it, it's like a sequel. It feels like a very weird thing to do when Persona Four itself isn't available on any console except for put Persona Four Golden on consoles. You yeah, fucking exactly. idiots! Like, so that game would sell millions. Yeah, I'd buy that straight away. And like okay. even Persona Five isn't available. Like that, people want that on Switch and uh, like it. I don't, but don't get people, people love this game, so I think it's good that it's coming to new platforms and it will get a new generation of support. Like I'll play it. I saw some people were annoyed it doesn't have rollback netcode, but that mm. that goes over my head. Uh, okay, I'm gonna rattle off uh, some other stuff we saw. Stop me, jump in when you have something to say about it. Uh, we got a trailer and a release date for Tunic. That's March 16th. Fox game. That looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> Carry uh, on. Texas, Cha- <laughs> Texas Chainsaw Massacre is going to be a multiplayer game from the developers of Friday the 13th. Uh, I'm that's that's a cool idea, but I sort of wonder at what point where we've got the Evil Dead game, we've got we had the Friday the 13th game. Now it's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I'm like, why not just this is just Dead by Daylight, right? <laughs> just you're all in Dead by Daylight. Just I I don't know if it's necessary. 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre would be a great video game. It should not be a multiplayer game. Yeah, yeah. this could be a really effective first-person survival horror game, oh, especially given the plot of the original film. Like you yeah. could just play yeah. a family or. I mean, we got Resident Evil Seven. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, just do that. Do that without the cum monsters. Like then it would be a better game. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, Homeworld Three got a release window quarter four. 2022 remember when they uh crowdfunded homeworld 3 on that weird like profit fig. sharing fig is it fig, fig. that's how psychonauts yeah. 2 happened and fig, then fig doesn't fig like not exist anymore or something uh i still get emails from fig because i backed psychonauts 2 I, I think that's still a thing i don't know if it's used for crowdfunding anymore but like they exist how much there. how much profit did you get from psychonauts I, I got a lovely game. That's what I got. Oh, you reviewed <laughs> it. That's a conflict of interest. <laughs> Shut up, <James. laughs> yeah, yeah. You're an investor. What the fuck? Snacked. <laughs> uh, a phantom wearing the flesh of Telltale Games is making the expanse. I think I mentioned that earlier. Uh, it's really weird that you get to call your studio Telltale. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, because it's not Telltale. Like yeah, and back, Telltale's like got leather. a lot of victims out there. So <laughs> Imagine sucks. hearing that as well. Not only that Telltale is back, but better than ever. I was like... Oh. They pulled a fable. That's what they did. Yeah, back oof. and better than ever. They did say that. Yeah. Oof. They, Keely said that. Or no, Sydney said that. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Babylon's Fall has a release date, March 3rd. This is Square game uh, looks Platinum's, mm. pl- Yeah, Platinum's game that looks bad. I don't know. Uh, Chivalry 2 is free weekend right right now and announced expansion House Aberfall coming early 2022. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise expansion Sunbreak got a new trailer still summer 2022. Uh, Thirsty Suitors. Oh, that looks neat. Is that, that's from Annapurna, right? It's from Annapurna and the developer of Falcon Age. Oh uh, yeah, who, it had a cool uh, aesthetic, and I've met is very, very nice man. Utterly bizarre concept. But looks bizarre. That's cool, yeah. like Scott Pilgrim, but Indian. I don't know. <laughs> that's <kind laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what I got. Yeah, uh, I think it's a turn-based RPG. Uh, you lost me. Right. Uh, first gameplay for Evil West. This is the Western horror monster vampire i don't even remember that happening all right looks cool uh have a nice death oh that looked cool oh was, that looks cool i'm into yes. that but it's in dead DC, so i want to cry yeah this was like the dead cells looking one uh that that lost arc is coming out february 11th this was the korean action rpg mmo uh, I played quite a bit of this. It's it's pretty fun. I'm looking forward to it. Mm. Um, Alan Wake Two, we briefly yes, mentioned. Please. Yeah, I yes. That. Survival um, horror, apparently. Like, yeah, Remedy's doing a survival horror, like a a dedicated survival horror, as opposed to having horror elements. Is yeah. something I've been wanting that studio to do for decades now. And yeah, Alan after the Control DLC that. and some of that stuff. I feel like this is a perfect fit. Like they could yeah. really like mess with your head. It makes sense. You can't. You couldn't do Alan Wake again today. It's it kind of the that format is kind of outdated. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a little too basic to 
The first is actually quite scary. Like I, I was straight upset. You should scare the shit out of me growing up. So I, yeah, I'm super. I'm yeah. It's just good. kind of. It's a little dry now to play. Like like the themes are are still cool. The atmosphere is cool, but it's a little too like walking simulatory today. Mm. Yeah, shine your torch at this ghost. Yeah, it's a little too simple. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog two the movie trailer did you know this is called sonic vs knuckles in japan i did i, oh, I made a I learned this that today like the other day and How cool yeah is that? i think there'll be enemies but then there'll be friends before the oh, end of course they will yeah of course yeah. we all know how this I film is like, gonna go i do like that but also like isn't that going to be the exact same plot when they introduce shadow in sonic 3 yeah. like they're just going to do that again oh look what if shadow just stands up with a gun and he just blasts uh, like something would that better happen that that absolutely has to happen shadow will be the tease up. for the end of this one but the bit where um where, you, where we hear idris elba i was like oh wow yeah cool. people want to fuck knuckles i would like that's why i gathered from people, this trailer to be fair people have always wanted to fuck knuckles yeah but now they want to fuck him even more i'm into it yeah uh, Final Fantasy VII uh, re- retro retrograde. What is it? Intergrade. Intergrade. Retrograde. Yes. PC release next week. I know they. I've got it. I, I could talk about it next week. Nice. But they very much drop. I thought like, oh, Final Fantasy is coming to PC about time, and the trailer ended, and I went, oh, it's coming out next week. Like, they're very much dropping this. It's an Epic Store exclusive for an unforeseen amount of time, much like the Kingdom Hearts games were. Right. Uh, Amogus VR from my homies over at Shell Games. That looks scary. Like, imagine that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, that game is going to be unintentionally terrifying. A little intense, yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be... I think this could be a massive YouTube game. Yeah. Put it on Quest, I'd play that. Yeah, on Quest, yeah. Uh, that sounds really fun. Uh, new trailer for Somerville. Yes, we've seen yes, this one yes. a couple times. Very excited for this. What did this look like? Remind me. Uh, it's very inside or limbo esque. Right. Oh, right, I remember right. which one you mean now. That was cool. Uh, release date for Cuphead expansion: Delicious Last Course. That's Finally, June thirtieth. Yeah, I swear this for about four came years. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know they yeah. hand draw everything, so making like Cuphead was in the works for goodness knows how long. But right. I know they hand draw all the animation, so it takes months because they've delayed this at least three times. Yeah, but now it's finally coming. You can you can suck on that straw. We got. Uh, please don't suck on that straw. Yeah, <laughs> yet another trailer for Tichia. Oh, that's cool. This- Tichia. Yeah. Oh yes, this looks this, cool. Yeah, this is like the cross between. Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey. Mm. Um, but it's like, is it Polynesian? New Caledonia, I think. New Caledonia. Yeah. Uh, island stuff. You can Looks turn into a charming and set things can, on fire, which is pretty Turn into a bird, turn into a short. Yeah. I'm into it. Uh, okay, new Forspoken gameplay trailer. Um, this looks neat. I don't know what to expect. But the you know it's very kinetic. They they showed like uh like Jack two style skateboarding on a river. Mm. I like that kind of stuff. Do a kickflip on a hoverboard. This looks really cool. I I'm full spoken is one of those that I, I hear a lot of people being like kind of 
iffy on it, like a bit like eh. And I, I, I don't know why. I think this this looks like one of the best of twenty twenty two to me. Yeah, uh, new Saints Row trailer that just got delayed. Mm. Yeah, this this is cool though. Like, there's a lot of fun stuff in this new trailer. Yeah, Saints Row. Isn't yeah, it? certainly not the like gritty reboot that some people thought that they were talking about. Like, no, it looks almost Saints Row free esque and like, looks like Saints Row stuff. Yeah, yeah like yeah. this is like silly stuff, and that's exactly what people want. Yeah, uh, Star Trek Resurgence um, from. The actual Telltale, <laughs> at Not least from the former Telltale, yeah. The expense. Yeah, um, I this is uh, a post Next Generation story. I know that some people were pretty hyped about that conceptually, um, but it's like a Telltale esque Star Trek game. So there's that for you. Uh, we had Dune Spice Wars from Funcom, a 4X Dune strategy game. People seemed excited about that until they figured out who was making it. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm not that familiar, but it looks cool. Funcom, Funcom publishes better games than they develop. I think is the problem. Right, they're one of those. Uh, okay, Rumbleverse is a is a battle royale, a melee battle royale. I'll play it. The aesthetic of that game made me made me angry. It's going to fail. Oh, oh yeah. It's, Sorry, yeah, it's going to bomb so hard. But, Rocket Arena all over hang again. on. We would have said that about Knockout City before, I reckon, and then that was awesome. So I, I'm I'm positive on it. I'm going Na- to Knockout City is good, but is it successful? I doubt it. Yeah. Eric, like, man, come on. I think the writing's still on the <laughs> Be nice. The thing is, don't make multiplayer game. Why? What? Okay, there's two things going on. One is, like, indie... Indie companies trying to make multiplayer games. Don't do that. You cannot compete. The second thing is this aesthetic. We keep seeing this. It's, like, it's so bad in that trailer. Like, oh my god. All of these <laughs> multiplayer games, Rocket Arena, Knockout City, the the metals, um, the Twisted Metal one that came out this year. The PS5 exclusive. Oh, Destruction All Stars. Destruction All Stars. Oh. They all have this like cutesy, like kid edgy. Whoa, like that kind. You know of what shit. I'm talking about? They yeah. all are doing the same vibe, and it doesn't ever work. Like Cartoon Network rejects, like that kind of thing. Uh, that's horrible. I maybe it'll be fun. Uh, Metal <laughs> Hell Singer. <laughs> Who knows? Metal House Singer is kind of a fun concept. It's basically uh, Doom, but a rhythm game. Mm. So you try to shoot demons to the rhythm of metal music. Uh, I don't know. We've seen it a couple times. BPM. It's not going to be huge or anything, but Plague Tale Requiem. Oh, yes. This 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 will probably be quite good because the last game was it was flawed in a lot of ways, but like in, incredibly unique. And right. Judging from this trailer, the scale is bigger. They've been given a bigger budget, and it could address a lot of the shortcomings of the first game. So, yeah, the voice acting will still be bad, but play it, play it with yeah. play it in French with subtitles. Um, Gollum, this looked bad. Gollum. Yeah, I thought so too. Yeah, <laughs> I thought so too. Yeah, I don't want you to talk about it. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Crossfire X. 
I'm oh, sorry, this looks cool. This looks cool. Futuristic military shooter thing. Remedy's doing the single player campaign. It's I think it's oh, a nice. shooter that's just huge in Korea or China, one of those. But like Remedy's doing a dedicated single player campaign for this, and they've been given a lot of money to make it. So part of me thinks if they've been given freedom to just make an over the top Call of Duty campaign, that could be kind of right. sick. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kinda into it. Uh okay, there's new Elden Ring trailer. Oh yes. In uh, a a pot came out on stage. It did it. There was a man in that pot. <laughs> there was a man. There was for sure there was a man in that pot. Um, I don't know. Elden Ring we like the tenth Elden Ring trailer. Yeah, I just I just want it now. Like that trailer looked beautiful, like it had some striking imagery, but Right. It's much like Dying Light 2. I've seen enough of Elden Ring now. Just give it to me. Yeah. So I can play yeah. it. That's exactly how I feel. And finally, last one free to play third person co op shooter, Arc Raiders. This was the oh, yeah. desert one that had that giant really spiders. mismatched Robin song. <laughs> I think that was Robin. Oh, yeah. Uh, Real, just a little totally inconsistent trailer, but it was a cool trailer. Yeah, this game looked cool. Like, I think it's the first time I've ever seen it. Mm, I guess maybe. I, yeah, I don't. I'm not positive. You're it's probably like right. It's new IP. You love that. Love love IP. Yeah, uh, that was a show. I probably missed something along the way. Sorry if your favorite game got missed i i tried to keep a list while we were going um yeah what a what a um disgusting bloated mess <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty bad that's no, good i love games yeah it's funny because isolating like all of the announcements like we have them there is like quite a bit to be excited about and like i could yeah. I, it was just trailers alone it was worth my time i'd say uh but then you have all these glaring adverts and awards that just feel rushed and like they're like they're not even the focus because they're not of course they're not no they've already forgotten yeah it yep. just it, yep, it was we didn't even talk about the awards at all because they, I, they like, don't matter like that yeah they don't matter like uh it, it takes two one game of the year um, I think that's neat. I, w- I also think like in any other year, there's no way it takes two as winning game of the year. No. Yeah. We just, we didn't have a last of us this year, you know, we didn't have. <laughs> okay. George, we were I thought it would be definitely like, I really did. So did I. It was, it wasn't a bad year. There just wasn't, it, it just wasn't the caliber of most years. That's all like, yeah, still good stuff. Just ne- next year is going to be a bumper. Yeah. Hopefully. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Game. Uh, no Nintendo at all at this show. Not a single Nintendo game. I don't think. I yeah, mean, there's a couple of ads and Doug Monster Bowser Hunter Rise up, expansion. But... That's strange. Oh yeah, Doug Bowser accepted the award for Metroid Dread winning best action adventure. Like I, I would have put money on them on Breath of the Wild two getting its name there. Like at least you know nothing. Yeah, you get nothing. I bet Keely it... asked, and they were like. Fuck off. PlayStation was barely <laughs> there. They had, they had um, that Chia. Oh, yeah. Okay. I forgot about Horizon. I keep forgetting about Horizon. Yeah, they, they put a scissor reel of Horizon together. Bless their little hearts. Yeah. Next year needs to be an hour and a half. 
Yeah, 90 minutes. Yep. Or if it's going to be three and a half hours, then they need to make some goddamn time to let people get on the stage and give their speeches just like the Oscars. Yeah, because yeah, compared to previous years, there's less and less stage time in this thing now. Yep. It's kind of embarrassing. Yep. Um, because watching three and a half hours of trailers is miserable. I really, I don't care. I said this earlier. I don't care how good the reveals are. Nobody wants to watch trailers for three and a half hours. It's too much. And if I wasn't keeping track like this, like for the show and for coverage on the site and stuff, I would have no idea what I watched. Yeah. It would all be a, a just a big blur. Uh, and that's bad. That's not a good thing. You don't you don't want people to come out the end being like, I'm not sure what just happened. My you just eyes come out with a headache over. and wanting to fall asleep. Yeah. Like, Whoa, gaming. Like that's yeah. that's what that show is. Even when it was special, it's four a.m. That was. Yeah, it's just it's so indulgent. It's such it's not good. It's not good for our brains. No, it, it's not. Yeah, I, it's I not good like for it. gaming. Not good for gaming. Hey, the game awards. You're not good for gaming. That was, that was good. That was Bring good. People want to listen to that, right? <laughs> we weren't too nasty, were we? I think we were. No, yeah. I was pretty hype about a few things. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had like I had like, the, the thing is, even when even when it was bad, it was funny. Like it was still fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's take a quick break. We're, we're going to come back to finally wrap up our Halo Infinite discussion, at least for this year. Uh, Jade, you're going to stick around and talk campaign with us, right? Yes, I am. I'm excited. Perfect. We'll be right back. All right, Jade. Uh, it's just you and me, and I have not played one second of Halo Infinite's campaign, so I'm really going to need you to drive this ship. Oh, dear. Steer this um, pelican, as, as you say in Halo. <laughs> Uh, I don't understand the open world. Please, can you make it make sense? Right. So it's not open world, not in a sense of it being like Breath of the Wild or Far Cry. Like Halo Infinite's campaign is far more subdued than you'd think going in, which okay. is very much to its benefit because the campaign begins with the trailer we saw a few years ago at E3 where the pilot is messing with the ship. He wipes the windshield. He sees Chief and he's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm, we're saved. I'm going to get home. And then the campaign opens with a mission where you're destroying a, a banished ship and finding new Cortana and then making your way onto Zeta Halo. And when you're there, it's very much... You can explore this entire world however you like, but parts of it are unlocked as you progress through the campaign. It isn't like the entire Halo you explore. It's one part of the ring that has been destroyed in the six months since Master Chief has been away and it's slowly being rebuilt. And you have to, you have to stop that from happening by exploring this ring, stopping the banished and just like blowing shit up, really. So... It's open world in the sense that you're just like going from one mission to the next. And then when you're in the mission, it's just like a normal Halo campaign mission. Yeah, essentially, because when you've, you're first given access to the open world, as it were, the weapon who is the new Cortana in the pause menu is like, 
there's these forward operating bases you can go to. And if you take them over, you can use them to spawn equipment. Or there's also like equipment caches or Spartan locations, which hide abilities and upgrades. Like you can go to those if you want, but here's our objective. Like here's where we need to go and you'll be directed there automatically. So it's very much on your own onus to like go out and decide how to explore the world. It's it. Yeah. There's freedom there, but just enough freedom to be tantalizing. It never feels overwhelming because the campaign itself is not incredibly long. You could finish it in 10 hours. Oh, okay. And so uh, aside from those like fobs being fun to do, is mm. it worthwhile? Like from a, progression standpoint so when i with the review build i couldn't get any achievements so that okay. that half of me i was like oh i'm not a real gamer if i don't have yeah like arbitrary chivos. points showing me if i don't have the chivos and what's the point but i found the forward operating bases to be a mixed bag because mm -hmm. they allow you to spawn weapons or vehicles or other pieces of equipment but I kind of didn't bother. Like I took them over because fighting them is fun and I loved mm -hmm. taking over the map. But I'm very much the kind of player who prefers just exploring the world and finding things on my own accord because there's more than enough like unique vehicles and weapons spread throughout the map that you can just ignore the pause menu and explore of your own accord and follow the campaign waypoints whenever you need to. Because yeah. as you said all of the traditional campaign missions take place underground basically in okay. forerunner ruins. So you'll very, very, you'll very often show up to a place and it's like, you need to destroy these free anti-aircraft cannons to gain access to the underground, which is where we'll find the bad guy basically. And you can approach this situation however you want. You can sneak in and destroy stuff. You can jump into a, a helicopter and rain fire from above, or you can just, treat it like a traditional halo mission like there's always unique ways to tackle each situation but that's interesting halo infinite seems to understand that packing it filled with things to do would make it a worse game right and chief the only thing chief can do is destroy yeah obviously he can't feel <laughs> he can't game like there there's no side quest you could imagine where chief does anything other than blow something up there's some oddly, I don't know if they're side quests as much as they're just like natural moments of discovery, but this is a light mm. spoiler, but it's not anything bad. Early on, you stumble across a corpse of a Spartan who I think is from Blue Team from Halo 5. And they've been, all the remaining Spartans who are on your team have been systematically slaughtered. And it's clear like some super powerful elite with an energy sword is killing them. Mm. And the way he the way he approaches these corpses and like interacts with them the weapon kind of talks to chief in a sympathetic way like chief doesn't say anything but he doesn't need to and the weapon's like oh did you know this person like we should find out who killed them and there's there's cool little moments like that in the side quest that oh, okay. make them feel more make them feel less mechanical than they would in a game like far cry or ghost of tsushima it doesn't just feel like you're ticking off a checklist because the world building is done in such a way where it feels like every little thing is relevant. There isn't, it's not a case where there's too much guff on the map for you to do that. You just don't bother doing any of it. Yeah. Even when I had no achievements, I was like, I'm going to do everything because I'm having a lot of fun 
experimenting with the combat and seeing what the rest of this world looks like, which is quite good for a game that's trying to be almost like a pseudo open world. When I play multiplayer, the one of the things I struggle with the most is using all of the gadgets yeah. appropriately. Partly because they're like limited stock and I don't want to like run out of them, so I just don't use them. And also because I don't always know what I pick up and I'm dying and resetting and switching yeah. through them so quickly. And it's like, do I have the grapple right now or do I have the repulsor or do I have the shield? So like I never feel like I'm using them very effectively. I just kind of like throw them out and hope for the best a lot. Mm. I'm a good gamer is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you are. Um, You're a very good gamer, Eric. But oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, But how do they feel in the campaign compared to the multiplayer? Do you feel like you're like smarter, more tactical with stuff like the the grapple shot and the repulsor? Or is it just kind of like pick it up and use it? Do you the you begin the campaign with the grapple shot like the opening cutscene has Chief being yeeted out of the what's it the the UNSC Infinity the ship from Halo Five which is destroyed and you when you wake up he reels the grapple hook in and the first area you go in one of the first things you're taught to do is how to navigate vertical environments using the grapple hook and how it can mm. be used to. If you use the grapple hook to lock onto any enemy, regardless of how big they are, Chief will just fly towards them. And if you execute it correctly, you can just one hit kill an enemy with a melee attack. And it's a while until you find other abilities. Like a lot of them match with the multiplayer. Like there's a threat sensor, like a portable shield, and a bunch of other shit that I didn't really use because I love the grapple hook so much. But mm-hmm. One of the things you find throughout the open world are Spartan caches, which upgrade the abilities beyond what they're capable of in multiplayer. Like, eventually the grapple hook will be able to shock enemies if you connect with them. So they won't be able to move, their shields will go down, which will open them up to a one-hit kill, which is super cool. And Mm. I found playing through the second, playing through the campaign a second time on Heroic, it makes you use multiple abilities in more ways than I did on normal, where I just used the grapple shot. Because now I need to consider how quickly my shields go down, where enemies are coming from. So I'll often put down the portable shield in one direction so I can shoot enemies and then make sure I'm not being flanked in one direction while I take out other enemies. So I'd say it's more considered in multiplayer. Uh, No, it's more considered than it is in multiplayer. Because as Mm. you said, you're dying all the time. So you don't know if you're using something right. It's very much like, getting a jet in battlefield because you know you're going to get in the cockpit fly into a cliff and fuck yourself (laughs) (laughs) where it's like in halo it doesn't feel like that i do think it's the case where a lot of players will just use the grapple shot and nothing else because it's the best thing there is and yeah it's something you can skyrim up cliffs because of the way the grapple hook works when you upgrade it you can get enough momentum where you can just continually swing upwards without stopping and the way you can just there's nothing cooler than walking into an outpost like grapple shotting an explosive tank throwing it into a group of enemies throwing a shield down and then just raining hell on everyone like this is the best halo has ever felt to play in a single player capacity like i'm i'm very confident in saying that and unlike halo 4 and 5 where they try and jazz up the formula of new stuff they've just got 
classic Halo gameplay with these gadgets and all of them just complement what's already there. It doesn't overcomplicate things, which is kind of what they needed to do. What's the controversy with the opening mission? Why, uh, why did Kotaku say it's such a mess? It's not. Like, I don't know, a Kotaku bunch of bitches? Like, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Kotaku, but the opening is essentially... It starts with a cutscene, Chief loses. Like, he gets thrown out of the UNSC Infinity as it's exploding. And then it transitions to a cutscene where the pilot is, like, trying to survive, really. And then six months after the war has been lost, he finds Chief, wakes him up, and the opening mission essentially involves Chief telling this pilot, we got to finish the fight. Like, what's what's the status report and all that stuff? So he goes out to fight. And there's a wonderful opening cinematic where Chief leaves the Pentagon for the first time and he's in zero gravity. And parts of this have been shown in trailers, but you see him like, oh, it's so cool. Like he, he's only got a pistol, but he like moves through like the broken like husks of a broken down warthog floating in zero gravity, moving through corpses and navigating the environment in a way that is just so badass. And there's a moment where he has to take the corpse of a soldier aside and to move it out of the way so he can move through this opening, but he does it in a way that's oddly gentle for Master Chief. And mm. one of the things I come for for Halo, because I grew up with it, I think, is because it it expresses Master Chief as like a symbol of power and hope and like fighting for something that no few games do. And when you combine that with the music, like the opening does, it's just super effective. But I think Kotaku completely missed the thematic agency of the opening and we're just mad because it doesn't get you to the open world quick enough mm, okay because there are two linear relatively linear missions which involve blowing up this banished ship and then after that you drop into some ruins to find the weapon who is the new cortana essentially and once you do that you take over an outpost you're in the open world but i think the linear nature of the campaign's opening is designed to teach you like how the gadgets work what's going on in the story, like how the gameplay works. It's essentially a tutorial with like a narrative framing. If they just dropped you into the open world straight away, it wouldn't work because there's mm-hmm. a there's a payoff to getting to the open world for the first time like there is in Skyrim or Oblivion or anything like that. When you get there, you're like, oh, I can go anywhere I want. There's a, there's a, there's a degree of freedom here. If the game just opened with you in the open world, I don't think it would work. Sorry, Kotaki. The way you're describing the plot where it's like you start on the ship, you crash land on the Halo, you have to deactivate the Halo. It sounds like a rehash of the first Halo. I I spoke to 343 Industries earlier this week. I spoke to the character director and Mm -hmm. one of the other associate directors, and they described it as a spiritual reboot of Combat Evolved. So they want to, they talked about Halo having a 20 year legacy. And obviously for a new game, that's a lot of baggage for people to catch up on. Yeah. You can't expect new players to come into Halo for the first time and to know all of this shit. So they basically treated Halo Infinite as a new start, essentially. If you go in blind and you listen to all of the dialogue and you pay attention, you will know everything there is to know about Master Chief, the pilot, and the Cortana by the end of the game. You think that's true? 
I do because they also, in terms of the information, all three of these characters know. Mm-hmm. They only ever know as much as you do. Like you are learning things alongside them. Mm-hmm. They are hiding secrets in their character arcs, which you will discover. But the aim of the game isn't to save the galaxy like it was in the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Chief is woken up. The war is lost. Humanity is left. The banished have taken over this ring and you need to stop them. And the banished aren't framed as the Covenant or the Didact or the Forerunners. They're not going to destroy the galaxy. They're just like a rogue cabal of aliens who broke off from the Covenant and think they can form their own creed. Mm. And they're very much treated in that way. Like they're hyperbolic in the way they speak and they think they're going to rule the world. But then Chief is like, we can stop them. And then we'll go from there while the pilot is just like, oh, we can go home. And Chief has been indoctrinated to fight. So he's like, no, I'll finish my mission. Yeah. And I've already lost Cortana and I couldn't save her. So I'm going to save you and I'm going to save this place before I can let myself rest. And the campaign is very much like an exploration of that, of that sense of loss and finding a new goal within this very small cast of characters. And it's very strong because it understands it needs to show restraint. They can't jump into saving the galaxy right away because during the plot, they, they tease some stuff that's clearly going to be like explored like later on. They, they filed mm-hmm. a trademark last week for The Endless, which is going to be a campaign expansion, I think. But yeah, like they address events from four and five to keep the hardcore happy. But they're done so in a way where like if you jumped in, if this was your first Halo and this is the first time you were meeting these characters, I do think they do a very commendable job of making it approachable. So then how do you think that the the release of future content will work? Is it just like the world we already have and then we'll explore new places in it? Or do you think it'll be brand new maps? Like brand new open world? Given the size of this map, like as I said, it's not huge. Like it feels curated in a way where everything has its place. Mm-hmm. And given how short this campaign is, I do think they're just, because as 343 also said to me, they wanted to establish a small cast of characters, which is these three characters. They know each other, they care about each other, and you're learning about everything they're learning with them. And I think they wanted to establish that camaraderie and then move forward from there. And I do think it's going to be a case where maybe we'll get annual expansions or like once every year we'll get a big campaign expansion. And I think it would be a case of where it establishes a new threat, which is going to be the endless. Like, why are we fighting them? Where are we going? Because we only explore a small part of this halo. And like, when you think about a halo in terms of landmass, it's a planet, basically. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if we discover that endless are hanging out like over there like a couple light years away (laughs) on the other side of the halo and that's going to be another section of the map that we explore like i can see them doing that because Mm -hmm. they wouldn't give me any specifics but the way in which they alluded to the halo infinite name like this is a platform for them to explore stories and i think they're going to have to keep exploring smaller ones to build up this world before they pull a halo free and have us saving the galaxy again because i don't right. think they can do that right away because it wouldn't work uh we're not going to get co-op until like may like when season mm. two starts do you 
do you what first of all do you think that there's a reason for that besides just like development time like does this seem like an especially hard game to make co-op work for because of the open world stuff i think it's less about the open world stuff and more about how the narrative works i think oh okay well because in the past games like you're just two master chiefs and it doesn't matter but i am curious about this because like as you said with the open world stuff there's progression like for a single player right and they're gonna have to pull a genshin impact or something where if if another player is in your game or if they drop in they can't progress or interact with certain things in that world because oh, okay they fuck with your progression and they did tell me they put they decided not to do campaign co-op after the delay because they're like we want to perfect everything we've got and we want to ship that and then we'll worry about that later but i do feel like because it's, it's not a traditional Halo campaign. It's not mission-based. It, it's mm-hmm. only mission-based in certain ways. So I do feel campaign Calvert would feel very different in a game like this. Do you think it, it'll work? I think it will work. I don't think it will feel natural. Right. Um, what's your favorite part? Uh, Halo. <laughs> the Halo? <laughs> no, I love... <laughs> One thing I didn't... Ex- I'm a fucking soppy idiot. Like, I yeah. love emotional stories. And I love intimate stories like this one. And Halo's always been about saving the galaxy and, like, being a larger-than-life super soldier. And similar to how the Wolfenstein reboots humanized BJ Blazkowicz, they turned a genre archetype into, like, a character with depth and meaning and like someone you could have sympathy for and they do that with every single character in this game i think because master chief talked more in halo 4 and 5 but in this one from the opening missions they're delving into his backstory and the shit he's dealing with like master chief is tired in this game like he's Mm. been fighting for 20 years and you can tell he's just like oh fuck it like he just doesn't (laughs) want to do this anymore like cortana's gone i don't know what's happened to earth I've got this pilot here who just wants to use me to get home. So his only his only like drive is I'm just going to fight. I'm just going to save us. And we'll figure out the rest from there. And the game does like a phenomenal job of like fleshing out all of these characters. The weapon, especially, who is an AI construct who was implanted onto Halo to replicate Cortana's data and delete her, and then she would delete herself afterwards because that was in her mm. programming. But something stopped her from being deleted. And because Master Chief's lost Cortana, when he sees, when he meets the weapon and she's like, I'm going to delete myself. He's like, no, you're coming with me. He pulls the the chip out of the back of his head. It's like Shrek, you, you're coming with me. When he gets to do lock. But like, there's a moment they make a, there's a moment where she goes into the chip and the camera transitions to the back of the head, and you have to press X to put her inside you. Uh-huh. Like they make a point of that being a big deal. <laughs> and there's a there's a few moments throughout the campaign. Is it like Master a war Chief. thing? And maybe. Like, Master Chief is into that. Like, she's inside my head now. <laughs> I was being really serious. But, I but the weapon is wonderful. She's Cortana yeah. had been through some shit, but the weapon is fresh-faced. She doesn't quite understand like who the banished are who chief is like what's Mm. happened in this conflict she's learning everything with you so she's very much a self-insert for the player in a lot of ways Mm. but there's a few moments where 
Master Chief contemplates the idea of deleting her because he he doesn't want to deal with like losing someone again or like the responsibility of like maybe he'll fail like he's failed before mm-hmm. and when that happens she's like you tried to delete me like she knows like and there's there's some interesting dynamics between the three main characters where like they're coming they're learning to trust each other and they're learning to like understand what the stakes are and in in the terms of characterization and like plot development this is the best halo that's ever wow. been and i'm confident in saying that yeah some death you really uh don't experience expect from halo this is halo cool. it's 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 the, it's the green man gun game like, <laughs> but no, um, he's got a lot in common with shrek now that you mention it yeah he's green he's tall he's got layers yeah he does so cortana's just donkey like when you <laughs> <laughs> Oh no! What have Zeta we done? Halo, far, far away. Like it's just. <laughs> I'm gonna have to write this now. Chief forever after. Cool. I don't know if I can wait for co-op. I'm. That was my plan. I mean, May is. I might be dead by then. Far away. Yeah. Yeah. And they might push that back. Like you don't know. Right. Um. Cool. Do you, it between the campaign. And what we have of co-op of uh, of multiplayer right now, it does it feel like a finished game? Does it feel like a whole game? Yeah, I think it does. The campaign is, if you see everything, it might take you fifteen to twenty hours, okay, which is relatively beefy. And the multiplayer is free to play anyway, right? And they're still working out the kinks and a lot of that stuff. Like, oh the, yeah, the fundamentals in terms of like big team battle slayer. That feels like beautiful to play. Yeah. And I think that's the most important thing. Should the campaign be fifty pounds on its own? I don't know, but it's on Game Pass. So that argument yeah. is kind of nullified now. Yeah. But yeah, this is the Game best Pass Halo just since changed everything. This is the best Halo since ODST. Nice. Um it yeah, I mean it, it seems like everybody agrees. I'm it, so happy. I was when the technical test came out, people were like, this sucks. And I was like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> you wait. Come December, Halo's going to blow your socks off. Because that was only because I'd be really sad if it sucked. But it doesn't. And right. I'm delighted. Yeah, the the live service model for Halo what, definitely seems like a big gamble after you yeah. know, 20 years of doing things. And it still release. is. Like we don't know what the future of Halo campaigns is going to be. Like, I'll be perfectly happy if they take two years to make another Halo campaign. Like, and they make yeah. it as good as this one because they've got the foundational assets. They just need to make all the other shit. I, I'm not a game developer, obviously. Right. But yeah, I, but that seems realistic. Like, I don't think yeah. we're gonna, necessarily going to get annual releases like Destiny or something. No, um, I don't because think so. that the hopefully the multiplayer can keep halo alive in between these big expansions it'd be similar to ghost of tsushima had an expansion that was about five to eight hours long and Mm -hmm. it told a standalone story and it had a standalone island halo could do that and that would work wonderfully with the scale of the stories they're telling because they've got three characters you could do stories dedicated to the pilot master chief or the weapon because they both got things they can discover and infinite sets the seeds to learn about those things mm, yeah 
And and stories with the villains too, right? That's sort of a yeah. staple of Halo. Because they tease new factions and we're going to find out who they are. I don't want to spoil more stuff about the plot because there's a lot of really good moments. Nice. Okay, cool. What was your score, by the way? I forget to ask. Uh, nine out of ten. And it is number one on my game of the year list. Wow. I know. I was shocked too. But it was yeah. between that, Life is Strange, and something else. And I was like, I love me some Halo. Like, let's put that <laughs> there. Yeah. I think it's probably going to end up on my list next year. Um, yeah. Uh, before we go, uh, last week we asked you to tell us your favorite Halo memories, and we got a lot of good answers uh, on Twitter. So I just want to go through a few of those quotes. Um, here we have one from Kid Triple says, uh, Halo, my freshman year of high school, had a buddy whose dad owned an old apartment building. We paid for power and used it to host multiple room land parties. 16 Aww. friends. 16 friends. That's cool. Wow. And so four Xboxes, school. four rooms, two floors, tons of amazing memories, most involving the damn scoped pistol. <laughs> um, yeah. Playing, definitely hooked up multiple Xboxes to play Halo. When I was a kid, too, I never had 16 people like I never had four Xboxes set up. I think the most we ever had was two. Um, and we would play like th- like three on each or something. Yeah, yeah, I grew up with eight siblings. So we always used to do the four way split screen on Combat Evolved on a tiny CRT. And it was <laughs> yeah. terrible. But yeah, those, those are those are memories. Them's the days. Uh, Michael Gulliver says, hauling my OG Xbox and box TV in my K-Reg Fiesta to my mate's house for LAN parties. It's amazing how many teenagers and consoles you can fit in a single house. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, like, that was what, like, parties and sleepovers were, you know? It was yeah. just, like, so everybody could get together to play Halo. Uh, Alex Nagy says, met one of my best friends through our shared love for Halo. Have many fond memories of carrying the OG Xbox between houses. Duke controllers and all for epic LAN parties. Not going to lie, I always snuck a peek at other players' screens. Well, that's how you play Halo. Yeah. Right? You got a screen peek. Everybody's screen peeking. We all peeking. <laughs> uh <laughs> Odrin Johnson says, pretty much the fact that myself and Connor Smith met through our love of Halo via Podcast Evolved. This is a plug. This person has snuck a plug in. Oh, is he put? Is he advertising his podcast? <laughs> Cheeky fucker. That's okay. That's all right. I'm going to read it <laughs> We anyway. love you really. Uh, v- via the Podcast Evolved Discord server, and now we've started our own gaming podcast, Gaming Sandbox, but still managed to go off on massive tangents about Halo. Hey, good for you. <laughs> Alistair Hatch everybody's got kind of the same stories Alistair Hatch says organizing a Halo LAN party realizing that we had the wrong cable to actually link the Xboxes together nightmare absolute nightmare uh, madly driving around London to find the cable and then finally being able to play man there was a lot of proprietary funky connections going on the early days the early console games before Xbox Live even but that, that's yeah. sweet because I think it shows how much of an impact Halo had in that realm of multiplayer. Like, Oh yeah. It was the first console shooter aside from Goldeneye, really that turned it into a phenomenon. And they were like, I I imagine inventing hardware and shit to facilitate the growing Halo. Like, yeah. Uh, Dennis says the dual scarab fight 
in Halo 3. Oh, mate, yes. I should have been a watchmaker in Reach, getting the secret whistle cutscene in ODST and so many cutscenes in Halo 4, especially Chief and Cortana's goodbye. Hmm. Sag. Well, Uh, goodbye. This guy Brain says, one of the strongest memories of playing in Halo 3 multiplayer when some Americans wouldn't believe I was British and accused me of doing a fake accent. Has that ever happened to you? Yes, yes. Really? It has, actually. People think you're doing fake accents? When I was... I think I set up my Xbox 360 Xbox Live account when I was 12 to play Halo 3. And I remember me and my brother would always play team doubles. So we'd go on together. And I remember we played these American kids. And they were really like, Oh my God, are, are you British? Like, can you say crumpets? And that was... <laughs> change i remember oh, as a kid no. and we were like we were cool back then so we're like yeah we're british like what do you want <laughs> and then we lost but yeah dave isn't the breeds isn't the only one to have those experiences but those do happen <laughs> i'm sorry for my culture it's okay we forgive you kenny loma says the memory that really sticks with me the most is when i first tried the demo in electronics boutique in 2001 I knew Halo was being touted as a system seller, and as soon as I started playing it, I was like, I get it. It was clear this was a watershed moment for consoles. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's like Halo is Xbox, at least for the first yeah. three generations. Like, If Halo didn't happen, Xbox wouldn't be a thing right now. For sure, yeah. And and console shooters in general, like the yeah. idea of a console shooter. COD 4 might not have happened. Like, yeah. Um, any more Riley to the Skyly says when I was a kid, my church youth group threw an all nighter that climax with a 16 player Halo two land party. A church I, badass. Yeah. That's a good church. I cleaned up the swords only matches on midship. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that pretty much covers it. What's yours, Jade? Oh, there's a mission in Halo three. It's called the covenant. And it's, it's a, a pivotal moment in the campaign and it, it begins with like a piano note that gives me goosebumps to this day and there's three pelicans and th- at this point arbiter and everyone are working together and you you decide to go to one of three towers to take down the shields to get into the base and this is a mission that concludes with a double scarab fight mm-hmm. and this mission is just it's probably the best shooter mission ever made like and i think i'd probably still stand by that it's just expertly nice. paced and it it encapsulates that Halo hype perfectly. And I think that's probably my favorite moment in Halo. But also I grew up playing Halo with my brother and we have like a mutual love for Halo. Like we spent four four hours last weekend like playing Infinite together for the first time. We were like, oh my God, this is classic Halo. And yeah. I think like a lot of the stories described to us, like Halo is something that brings people together. And I think that's really cool. Like, yeah, I, I have I have a ton of memories as a kid of doing the land parties and stuff, uh, just like everybody else. And it does kind of bum me out that you know kids today they're not going to get that. You and know, they got Fortnite and Roblox. They're playing PUBG on their phone. Oh my god! <laughs> just um, fucking drop the bombs now. Let's like, get <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite memories, uh, it's kind of an understated thing, but, um, early in Halo two, when you're chasing down the scarab, it's like 
it's like rampaging through the streets. Yes, in New Mombasa. Yeah, to deactivate it, you have to meet it. You have to rush to the top of a bridge, and as it's passing underneath, jump off the bridge and then fight your way into the center of it. Man, yeah. And turn it off. And I just, I love that sequence so much because throughout the first game and throughout the beginning of Halo 2, you get to see Chief do so much badass stuff in cutscenes. You know? And you, you shoot at dudes. When you play the game, you walk and you shoot. But in the cutscenes, Chief gets to do awesome shit. Oh, and that yeah. felt like the first moment where you get to You are like, doing the shit. You do a Chief move. Yeah. It's it's like the start of Halo 2 when he's like, I'm giving the Covenant back their bomb. And that yeah. the, Oh my god, Halo is so, so cool. Good. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Halo Sorry rules. everyone. I really like Halo. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to everybody that sent questions to us on Twitter. Next week, we want to know what your most anticipated games of 2022 are. Whether it was something announced at the Game Awards last night or something else that you're excited about, uh, as long as it's not Elden Ring. I'm just kidding. You can be excited about Elden Ring. Hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag AskTheGamer and tell us what your most anticipated games of 2022 are. That's it for this week's episode, and we'll be back next week. See you then.